Hey guys, welcome to the Fun V Tailgate presented by Thunderblogsports.com. This is not the G-Man, as you can tell. Switching up for an intro here for you. Today's pod, we had me filling in for Matty D. We also, at the end of the pod, a little bonus for you. We did the second edition of Blue Line Icing. Jordy and myself got into... In the college football, we got into the remaining bowls, the ones that we're looking forward to, some of the lines on those, as well as the college football playoff. And then we touched on the NFL and some of the playoff scenarios heading into the weekend matchups. Thank you all for listening. As always, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Thunderblog Sports. On Twitter, it is ThunderBLG. Other than that, Thunderblog Sports. For now, I hope you enjoy the pod. Go USA Hockey and the World Juniors. Go Syracuse Orange. And here we go. And we are live! Welcome to this week's episode of the Fun Beat Tailgate, presented by ThunderboxSports.com, a part of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me for the first time on the Fun Beat Tailgate this season, because Matty D forgot he was supposed to have dinner with his grandma, Greg the Prophet Piatelli! Is there a was there was there a was there was I supposed to say something? I needed I needed a better. Normally you give me a how are you man or a hey bud what's up. Uh, let's let's try this again. Joining me because Matt is an idiot and forgot to have dinner with his grandmother, Greg the Prophet Piatelli. How are you? <laughs> We're firing all, on all cylinders tonight. We are firing on all cylinders tonight. Yeah, you know. Uh, the post-Christmas feast has uh, not kept me down, Greg. Hey, listen, I'm just enjoying the World Junior Championships. That's hockey for those keeping score. Um, best kid on Team USA is a 17-year-old who wears a face mask because he's not technically old enough to be in the tournament to not wear a face mask. Um, and he looked all right, but uh, Team Canada looks gross, and we'll talk about that at the end of the pod on the blue line Blue Line Icing Pod. Yes, yes. We have not recorded a second episode, but you're going to get a little bonus coverage at the end of this. Talk a little World Juniors. I little, mean, that's, that's a tease if I've ever heard one. Yeah, turn of the calendar talk since we're at another one of those um, mild markers or whatever you want to call it. But let's talk a little football, Greg. Wait, wait. Real quick. Real quick. If you were a real producer, you would create a best of from the year that was. Yeah, I mean, I figure since we're recording a live episode, we could do. I mean, we could do best ofs, but I mean, a little tough to jump back and through it. I want you to go through every single episode ever recorded this season, this year, and pull out all the best tidbits and clips. I want to pull out all the idiot takes that we had where we were dead wrong about things, like. I mean, that's impossible. That's impossible because I, I nailed the Red Sox winning the World Series. So, I mean, th- there might be a little bit of bias on that take. So we can we can uh, we can sift you out. But I mean, 
Jared <laughs> saying that the Red the, the Red Sox lost the JD Martinez sweepstakes compared yeah, to the Yankees hitting yeah. Carlos. Um, well, I called that. Pretty sure Andy and I both really sold off on a number of teams that made the playoffs. I think we were we really were trying to temper the expectations of the Bears. We were not buying into the Rams. We didn't think they could do it again. Um, I think we were both really high on the Eagles, but that was also a pretty biased take. Um, yeah, there's some really good ones. I'm trying to think of good uh, baseball ones that we really missed. But you and I, we nailed Ronald Acuna. We, yeah. you nailed the Red Sox. I think I had them winning the division. Um, you, had, you had them coming out of the uh, the American League, I thought. Right? I had them coming out of the AL. I had them winning the World Series. You might have had Houston, but I, uh, I mean, you might you might have had Houston, but that's that's just as good of a pick. So. Yeah, I mean, I think every single like sports moment of, of the year came from that series, Boston Houston. So I guess we can both take credit for some of our takes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would say I would say we do a much better job at baseball than uh, what's done at football this year. Is that is that a shot at Matt? He's not even here to defend himself. No, I mean, I the guy forgot, guy forgot he was having dinner with his grandmother. He's already having a bad week. I think it's about your football knowledge as well. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, you know what? I was wrong about a lot of stuff. I uh, I won't share my uh, total net loss on football in terms of gambling. I'll just put it that way. Jordy, what I do want to talk about is the Syracuse Orange facing off in Orlando, Florida, in the camping. No wait, what's the yeah? The camping camping world uh, bowl versus West Virginia Mountaineers, former Big East matchup. Two teams that left have since left the Big East, um, and a matchup that coming into the season, if you said Syracuse is going to make a bowl versus West Virginia. With all the hype the West Virginia got before the season, I would have said you're nuts. But here we are, tomorrow, big day. Everyone watch, huge. Yeah, five fifteen, right around the time that if you do have to work this week, uh, you're either driving home and listening to our beautiful voices, so you can throw this on in the background, hear a little bit of our analysis, or if you're at the bar, which hopefully you will be, I know I will be, you're throwing this game on. It's definitely going to be fun. I know Will Greer, quarterback of the Mountaineers, is not playing. So my question to you, Greg, are twofold. One, Syracuse is a two-point favorite, and the other is over-under of 66. Now, which one do you do you think is more ridiculous? Uh, the under at 66. You think, that's, you, think that's, you think that's a ridiculous, the more ridiculous line? I mean, just knowing how many points these two teams put up throughout the year – um, I watched their press conference today, the two coaches, and they both were talking about how good the defenses were. But um, I know Syracuse has some guys missing on defense, and West Virginia has a bunch of guys missing on offense in terms of sitting out for the draft and everything. But uh, West Virginia, their quarterback, the two guys that they got going tomorrow, both of them were able to save a year eligibility because of Will Greer, and they, uh, they're apparently like really high recruited, like fourth – four or five-star players. So um, it's kind of funny because, you know, the the talk was that Dino Baber, Syracuse coach, was basically saying that, uh, you know, it's hard to scout a quarterback with 13 plays on film, basically. Uh, Most of those are are fourth-quarter garbage time. So it's going to be, uh, I think, a little bit of a a struggle at first. Um, Bowl games always tend to be sloppy, Jordy, because – you think about it, you get 15 practices from the end of the season, which is right before Thanksgiving, um, mm-hmm. or right after Thanksgiving, right? So you get 
or 15 practices between Thanksgiving and today uh, or for tomorrow for the game. So it's like, what, what can you really do in that short amount of practice for that long amount of time? So it's going to be sloppy. Um, 66. I, I mean, for me, I think that's the more absurd number just based on the offenses for the, throughout the season. But as we talk about it, I guess I'm talking myself for the under, but you know what? I'm, I'm just pumped. They're there. First bowl game in a while. So. Yeah, as an alum, I mean, it, w- do you think tomorrow makes a difference in terms of the trajectory of the program? Like it either boosts them up to win or it doesn't really do anything if they lose or the opposite? I mean, what, what are you thinking there? No, I think it's um, – I mean, it's year three of Dino Babers. So he, you know, took a program that was brutal for, the you know, the years before him and turned it around and made them a – a bowl eligible team. So this season is already a success. Um, and this season, Paul's year. what you not count the year. Greg Paulus was quarterback. Yeah. That was, that was what? Seven years, years ago? ago. That was when we were, fr- no, eight, nine years, years ago. ago, years ago. Years that, was when, that was when we were <laughs> freshmen. That was when we were freshmen in college. That was 10 years ago. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it was a successful season. If anyone who's not even an alumni, you know, Syracuse uh, is definitely uh, a positive year for them. And and a big thing that Dino Babers, the coach, was saying today was basically that, you know, this is sort of a tradition to build on. You just got a huge extension, extension. But he was saying, you know, yeah, they're playing for a trophy. And, yeah, it's not the national championship. But a trophy inside of your facility looks better than not, you know, than, than – than uh, camping world participants. So um, he was saying, you know, there, there is still something to play for, and he likes the fact that they do have that. Um, and Syracuse, West Virginia used to play for an actual trophy back in the day when they were Big East rivals, but obviously that's been retired. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. What was the trophy they played for? I ooh, They said it, but I couldn't tell you the exact name. Uh, it's Because they had a coach who, who coached both. There was like – Oh, like, there's guys. Like, yeah, Not like how there's 15 billion Paul Bunyan trophies in, or, or some form of Paul Bunyan in the Big Ten. Right. This is like a coach who coached both teams or something like that. Interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, the other game uh, tomorrow: Purdue, Auburn, and Iowa State, Washington State. Jordy, any of these matchups really uh, you want to talk about further? Yeah, Iowa State, uh, Washington State should be a really interesting game there. Uh, you got Iowa State, who's been. You know, they're an 8-14, and 14, but they made some noise. I mean, Maddie, it's their, basically the Iowa Matty D's. He always, whenever they were playing a big 12 team, if you don't remember this, Matty D would say, watch out for these guys. You know, make sure you keep them on your calendar, on your radar. And they, you know, they ended up playing their, actually playing their 12th game during championship weekend. It was a makeup game where they were supposed to play South Dakota State. They ended up playing Drake of the FCS and got their eighth win there. Um, but, you know, back-to-back loss at the start of the year to Iowa and Oklahoma kind of kept them off of everybody's radar. But they only lost Oklahoma by 10 points. If they beat TCU and they're a 9-3 and three squad, I mean, you know, we might be thinking something completely different. But they were able to pull off some upsets. They beat West Virginia. They beat Oklahoma State when they were ranked. And I mean, when they want to put up points, they can certainly do that. So definitely not a team to sleep on. Uh, Washington State, they are the favorites in this game. They can – Certainly, uh, you know, really get after it. They certainly have, you know, a lot of offense in the air and a lot of different 
you know, ways to beat you. But I would not sleep on the Cyclones in this game. Yeah, no, and, and um, great analysis. I, I'm just curious as to why Iowa State even played that game because they, they didn't need it for their for the minimum of games. They already hit that, so I was I wonder why they ended up having to play that. But, um, yeah, no, the Washington State quarterback, the, the mustache kid, uh, you know, he's been a story all year and something that I think is exciting. And, uh, you know, 36 touchdowns on the year is pretty impressive. No, no small feat for sure. Um, are you surprised that this is in San Antonio, Texas, and neither team is anywhere close to it? Not really. I mean, that's every bowl game. You yeah. know, the Camping World Bowl is at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, and that's between a team in West Virginia and a team in New York. You know, that's, that's just what these bowl games do. They take people to, to warmer climates get them, you know, out of the way and, you know, out of their normal, you know, wintry life. And you can't say the same thing about Auburn, considering Auburn, Alabama is south of Nashville, where the Music City Bowl is being played. But it certainly gets the people of, of Purdue. I don't forget what city in Indiana that is, but, um, you know, it gets them out of out of the Midwest winters and down to a, to a, a almost like a swell city. But an awesome city like Nashville, you know, and a, and a good time there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good point. Um. So before we head to Auburn, Purdue, I just want to touch quickly, uh, Washington State, Iowa State, um, who you got? That's a good question. I'm probably going to go with the favorites in Washington State there. I think they can really get it done. I know Iowa State, when they want to play close, they can certainly do that. Uh, but there have also been times where they cannot really get the offense going. You know, They only beat Drake by a grand total of three points. That's an FCS squad. They only beat a team like Akron by 13. Uh, that's a max squad. But then on the, on the flip side of it, they lose. To, they hold a TCU team to, 10, to 17 points. Um, then again, we saw what they did the other night in the uh, – I forget the crap name of that bowl they were in the other night. But, you know, uh, they, but they only were able to put up 14 on them. So, you know, a little bit of inconsistency there. I'm going to go with a little more of a consistent hand in the Huskies. Um, yeah, good choice. I would say the same thing. Uh, for Auburn, Purdue, I'm kind of, I think I'm taking Purdue. Uh, the negatives to Purdue would be that the reason why they won so many, they had some big wins this year, including over um, DC, uh, is simply because they have speed, right? They have they have that that true freshman wide receiver, running back player who they love getting the ball. Uh, DJ Knox, I believe, is his name, um, or maybe Rondell Moore. No, they both. Moore is a wide receiver, but they're both solid players for them. Well, yeah, one of the two is a true freshman, and so they have the speed to, I think, match Auburn, but they don't have SEC speed, which is the only negative on Purdue. But the thing is, with these bowl games, if we learned anything, is that unless you have a coach who can get players up for a bowl game, teams aren't going to perform. You look at Auburn from last year. You know, a team that was one win away potentially from making the SEC championship, or in the SEC championship, but also one win away from potentially getting into the college playoff if they had won the SEC championship. Um, and then they went out and played an undefeated Central Florida team, and they laid an egg. So to me, they've proven that they're, they're not a team that will go out of their way to win a bowl game, um, especially against a team that they find inferior to them because they're not SEC or – or some other big rival school like that. So looking across the field and you see Purdue, they might turn around and uh, 
have a similar result to last year. So something to keep an eye on. Let's move on, Jordy. Saturday, start with the matchup um, of Florida, Michigan, sort of uh, two teams historically that, uh, you know, are, are known for doing well, but this year sort of didn't meet the expectations or, you know, didn't do as well as they wanted to. Um, they, they laid eggs when it mattered the most. It's probably yeah, it's also a big bounce back here for Florida, considering how terrible they were last year. So, um, what do you think? Does Harbaugh get a win, um, or do, is Florida able to pull it out? Uh, I think Harbaugh pulls out the win, and he's proven, if anything, that a he can't beat Ohio State, and b he loves bowl season. Because if you remember, I think it was three years ago. Um, Michigan comes out, and I think it was against Florida. It was against an SEC opponent, and Jim Harbaugh comes out and pummels them. And that was the beginning of the Michigan is back. Jim Harbaugh is the coach of the future for the Wolverines. And I think that this is going to be another one of those games of showing, hey, this mega loss to Ohio State where you let up the most points ever in the history of the rivalry was just an anomaly. We're going to be fine. We're going to do this, that, and the other thing. Um, with Shea Patterson and with all these different guys, Higdon with their defense, uh, I think they're going to squeak it out. The over-under set at 50, which I think is a little high for this kind of a game with the, the quality of defenses both both squads bring. But I, I do like Michigan here. The five-and-a-half point spread does scare me a little bit. I like Michigan, and I think it's going to be high scoring. I think Good these stuff. are – yeah, I mean, well, sorry. I think Michigan's going to put up a lot of points. I think um, – Michigan's defense is good enough to shut down uh, Florida. I mean, if you look at that loss to Ohio State, Michigan, they got beat by a quarterback who could throw the ball. Um, and my, and then they got Notre Dame, who, you know, was on the road, but also a quarterback who was decent enough. And I don't know if Florida has that. So um, I think the throwing ability of the quarterback for Florida is just not, nowhere near good enough to beat that Michigan defense. If everyone plays, I'm not sure who's sitting, who's not, all that. Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say Michigan uh, puts up a lot of points. I think more than five. I think they, they cover. Um, okay. I Just to talk about the two games that mean nothing on that day, South Carolina, Virginia, Arkansas State, Nevada. Um, I personally always going to root for the ACC. So even though I hate Virginia, I'll go Virginia over South Carolina. You got against Virginia. What? Is it a basketball thing that you have against Virginia? Uh, basketball, lacrosse, football. Yeah, but Jim. mainly mainly lacrosse and basketball. Uh, okay. and then I'm gonna throw it, I'm gonna throw the under there, 54 points. And then for That's the other for the other Arkansas State Nevada, uh Colin Kaepernick. I'll stand with uh no, you know what? I'll go Arkansas State. Okay. Um, just because it's a two-point spread, so fuck it. Um, yeah, Jordy, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to go the same with you. Virginia in a low-scoring game, and then probably Nevada, and I like the over of 56 there. Uh, oh. Both squads can really put up points. Yeah, Kaepernick still holds, I think, their records for, I think, both passing and rushing yards, at least for a quarterback. Uh, and Nevada always traditionally has been a high-scoring squad, so, I, you know, I like it there. I mean, they uh, – well, I, I, they're an air raid offense, and I think that's what you gotta gotta keep running with. So before we get to the semifinal games, which is also on the 29th Saturday, 
Do you want to jump ahead to the January 1st matchups, some of the big ones, including Georgia, Texas, Ohio State, Washington, Penn State, Kentucky, LSU, UCF? Or Yeah, I mean, are we, are we just – do you want to do New Year's Eve then, Monday's games, and then go back to college football playoff? Yeah, I don't – yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not – I don't know uh, – nothing on New Year's Eve excites me, but what do you got? Yeah, I mean, Stanford Pitt might be a good game. It might be a, a good old-fashioned beatdown um, in terms of just slow scoring and, and classic football in that sense. Um, same thing with Utah, Northwestern, both schools can be interesting that way. I'd be really interested, though, in seeing what Texas A&M, NC State has to bring for us. Both squads, Jimbo Fisher obviously has been having a, a pretty solid year Um as the coach of Texas A&M, he obviously almost took down Clemson. And NC State, they can really put points up on the board. So that would definitely be a game to watch. Uh, you know, if you're at a house party or something and they're throwing throwing out a, you know, some sort of sporting event before the, you know, you throw it over to ABC and Ryan Seacrest, that's probably probably something to keep on is the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl between the Wolfpack of NC State and the Aggies of Texas A&M. Peace out, Seacrest. Um... Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of ACC teams playing that day. I think Pitt beat Stanford, ACC. Um, I think you, I, I think Northwestern, most overrated team out there, eight and five, and somehow they're ranked in the top twenty-five. Please spare me. What a terrible, terrible decision for the uh, you know AP poll there. NC State, Texas A and M. NC State was a team that played a lot of teams tough throughout the year, and and you know. People kept talking about them upsetting, you know, some big-time teams. But ultimately, Syracuse beat them. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say Texas A&M wins just because uh, while Syracuse is good, they are not uh... – yeah. No, you know what? I'll go NC State. Make Syracuse look better. I'll go NC State, ACC. Um, but, you know, obviously, Texas A&M, huge favorite in that game. So, um, yeah, good picks, Jordy. Good picks. Yeah, yeah, you know. uh, yeah, but definitely a a day to have football on in the background as you're getting ready for whatever you're doing on New Year's Eve. Uh, not the most enticing match, especially compared to New Year's Day, where you're laying on a couch, hungover. You've already had the playoff, and you've had your your Sunday of NFL, and you find out if your team has made the playoffs or not, and you're now hungover from your New Year's Eve action. Little uh, January first balls. We kick it off with the Outback Bowl, a game that normally is Florida-Michigan. I think they've played in that, I think, four or five times in the last, like, 15 years. But, yeah, Mississippi State against Iowa, interesting enough, but, you you know, have that on for the first hour. Then you get LSU-UCF in the first of the other four New Year's Six Bowls. Nothing that I have in terms of betting on this one, Greg. I mean, sadly, UCF lost their quarterback, Mackenzie Melton, in the AAC championship. I almost said ACC. So I think LSU's got this one in the bag. But, you know, the, you know it's something something to be interested in there. You can see a little Coach O here, a little action. Um, but certainly have that flipping between Kentucky Penn State. So why are there no line or over-under for this game? I would assume because of the Mackenzie Milton injury. So is he confirmed out or no? Yeah, I mean, he's hurt. He's really hurt. So if he's confirmed out, then you you take LSU all the way. But I guess the 
the issue then becomes like we talked about last year, Auburn, you know, some of their key guys sat for the draft and all that. And how we're playing UCF and really embarrassed the SAC. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think coach O, like you said, get, lets his team get away with that. So I think LSU, um, just manhandles a backup quarterback. Um, although the be- they did they did win late against Memphis, so they yeah. have proven that they can put up some points a- after the fact that they need to. But I think uh, LSU and, and Coach O'D gets the job done versus backup. No, I agree with that. And I looked it up on an app that I have. I have seven and a half point favorites for the Tigers of LSU and a fifty five point five over under line. Um, I take LSU in 50, at seven and a half. I don't know about 55 points. Nice, Jordy. I mean, good for you, by the way. No free ads. Nice job. Yeah. You know, it's just a nap. Everybody can make a nap. <laughs> what happens? Let's go to Kentucky, Tennessee, though, because I'm actually really intrigued at this game. Camping World Stadium, Greg's got to make a quick turnaround because they will be hosting the Citrus Bowl between number 12, Penn State, and number 14, Kentucky. Very interesting showdown between two different teams. Penn State, obviously, bringing back their quarterback, Trace McSorley. He's had himself an up-and-down year, let's say that. And then Kentucky with their solid defense and their stud running back, Benny Snell Jr. Greg, what do you think about this matchup? I think it's – like you said, an intriguing matchup because you got a team in Penn State that severely underperformed um, based on their preseason expectations, and you got a team in Kentucky who severely overperformed based on their preseason expectations. So it's sort of a Penn State has a chance to redeem and make up for their season, has a chance to go out and win a game um, and really end their season on a high note, despite it being you know nine losses or three losses is not bad, but. You know, when you're Penn State, you expect, especially recently, and Trace McSorley and all that, you expect to be um, in the mix in the conversation. So, uh, and then for Kentucky, you know, there's sort of a, a chance for you to put an exclamation point on a very successful season, sort of like the Syracuse West Virginia matchup we were talking about a little earlier. So, different mm-hmm. motivations. Um, uh, and Trace McSorley, like you said, depends upon which one we get. Um, either way, I think you hammer the over, um, 47.5. And, uh, I, I think Kentucky keeps it closer than a six, six and a half spread. Yeah. I like that. I like that thought as well. I might even take them outright. Um, but yeah, it's It's going to be really, it's probably the game to watch really up until you get to the Rose bowl, uh, which is going to be clear after any of these games end. uh, 5 PM on new year's day, the Rose bowl game. Uh, presented by Northwestern Mutual between Washington and Ohio State. Washington, the Pac-12 champion. Ohio State, the Big Ten champion, going back to the usual criteria to get that game underway. Ohio State comes in the six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that's just out of respect for the Pac-12 champ Huskies. Greg, am I wrong in thinking that? No, because Washington's coach – uh, former B, uh, Boise State has a flair for the dramatics in big games and likes to pull little stuff and gets his team fired up, just like Urban Meyer does for big games. Um, so between the two coaches, they they know how to motivate their team. Um, with that said, six and a half, you're right, 
does seem a little low for the spread, but um, no real spread outside of Georgia is really that big. So um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's just Vegas keeping it close. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm going to Ohio State, playing for Urban's last game and all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's Haskins playing, I assume, and all, all the, everyone's playing for them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I – yeah, I'm going to Ohio State. Uh, big time. Big, big time. Wouldn't say about the farm, but you might as well. But last game of New Year's Day is the Sugar Bowl between Georgia and Texas. Texas comes in as a 13-point dog. Maybe the the somewhat questionable pick. I know Matt and I talked a lot about it when it, when the Bulls first came out. But, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty safe to say Georgia is – Anything is, is close enough to a lock of a win, but is 13 the right number on this game, Greg? Well, it's tough, right? Because Georgia, in the beginning of the year, their offense was sort of non-existent, sort of a hangover from from last season, I guess, a little bit. And I say non-existent, even though they put up a ton of numbers, but they weren't beating teams like, like they were the year before, and they it didn't look pretty like it had in previous years. So... You know, I think, including a loss to LSU, I think that maybe that's the reason, just because they think that Texas' defense might have a shot. Um, you know, there's it's interesting to say because, you know, I was listening to something um, and people were talking about Texas football, right? And they were saying, what, that because of the quarterback and because of Ellinger, that Texas has a legit offense and has a legit chance to do to make some noise. Um, and if Georgia's guys are sitting um, because of the NFL and, and that's the trend recently, especially on defense where their studs are, it could be it could be an interesting game. Now, the question is, does Georgia play their backup quarterback who is going to transfer and let him sort of use this as a as a, you know, show me what you can do? Or do they let run with their guy and 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 uh Keep a minute. Yeah, I think uh, have they announced that they are, that they might go with him? I, th- I thought they were going with Fromm. No, I know they're going with Fromm, but you know, all year they sort of they've sort of had that kid come in um, as you know situational football and comes in a lot in the red zone. Was it what's his name Fields? Yeah, yeah, Justin Fields. They've had him come in and sort of as their random situational stuff here and there. But I, you know, I just I don't know. Thought maybe they might let him do it, but you know that never happens. Anyway, um, yeah, Georgia. I'm definitely picking Georgia, but I just trying to give you a reason as to why Texas is that close. Anyway, let's move on. Final four: um, Notre Dame, Clemson. Let's start with a two-three matchup. Jordy at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, the Cotton Bowl. Um, Trevor Lawrence, true freshman QB, right? Travis Etienne. Was a true freshman uh, last year, two yes. years ago. Yep, last yeah. year. Last year, so super, super young um, for there. And then Notre Dame also starting a young quarterback um, who actually, again, took the job from just like uh, Trevor Lawrence took the job from the, won the job. Thank you. Um, but the big question is: Is Clemson having some key key defensive line guys out due to a failed? Drug test? Now, do we know what drugs it was? 
I did not see what it was. I thought uh, I'm not even going to make a comment. I'm not, I'm not sure what kind of drugs they are. So was it the NCAA who suspended them or the team? I believe it was the team that suspended them. Um, who was it? That, was it Oklahoma that had the problems of the law? And then Alabama benched some guys for breaking team rules. So that's what it was. Alabama did, yeah. It looks uh, like it looks like Notre Dame's the only one that uh, came out scot free here. Yeah, it's a banned substance for Dexter Lawrence. Um, so who knows? I mean, geesh, they're waiting for a B sample to see if it was a po- false positive. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The saying on the topic of the game, I think it's going to be tough for Notre Dame. I think they have to play a pretty perfect game to a certain degree, right? They have to play, let's say 95% game just because of the fact that we've seen Clemson struggle and they've kept teams in these games so much that I think that could happen here with a squad like Notre Dame, but they have to come out strong. There've been games where granted a lot of this was before Ian book, but there have been games where they have come out sluggish and they've really had to overcome things. I mean, it happened against Navy. It kind of happened against Virginia Tech. They really started to pull away in the second quarter, but that first quarter looked like there might be something there. Um, Clemson, though, you know, they they kept Syracuse in it for a while in that game. I made a little bit of money on that. Not a big deal. But Yeah, and, and I mean, to be fair to Clemson, Trevor Lawrence got hurt and their other – and uh, they had the, their third string quarterback in the game, but you're right. I mean, I, I mean, the big thing is Notre Dame beat Michigan. They absolutely manhandled Syracuse. Um, you know, they with with their new quarterback, sort of. You know, they're they're sort of the underrated team throughout all year because coming into the season, it was the hype between Kyler Murray and Alabama. This is like Notre Dame is is the team that no one's talking about. Kind of like. Um, kind of like Deshaun Watson a couple years ago, and that mm-hmm. team that won for Clemson. You know, going yeah. into it, it was it was it was what Jameis Winston, and it was it was Alabama. No, that was Ohio State. Sorry, but you know what I mean. It, it was sort of it was uh, again Alabama, and it was um, Mariota. You're talking about that year Ohio State won, right? Right. So exactly. So it's sort of it's sort of. Uh, the team that no one's talking about, and, and and all year they've been good. All year they've been they've been doing their business. Every big matchup they turn around and, and they just win it, um, which is something that we haven't seen from Notre Dame in a while. No, um, and that's why they need to play. I'd say ninety five percent game. They don't need to be fully one hundred percent perfect. They can have a little bit of a slip up, but save the slip up for like the third quarter. You need perfect first, second, and fourth quarters to really have a shot at pulling this thing out. Yeah, well, I mean, if 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 they're if Clemson's missing their best D tackle, that's true. You might mean, open it up. Yeah, I mean, reality is like you know Notre Dame they established the run, but really their strength is in their receivers. Um, they have some pure pure athletes out of receiver who just make plays, and they they give them the ball and space to to get out and, and make, make some guys miss. So um, for me, I, I honestly think that the, the, this matchup is going to come down to Clemson's offense versus Notre Dame's defense and Trevor Lawrence is really what I think 
and that's going to be just like in the Bama game. It's really going to be it's really going to be Trevor Lawrence and what the offense can do, and Travis Etienne and what they can do versus sure. defenses. Because um, again, if we're if we're being honest, you know Notre Dame's offense, I think can can do well against Clemson's defense. Um, so I really, I really, truly believe is is Trevor Lawrence and the offense going to be able to score enough. Um, against Notre Dame's defense to to win. Yeah, it's a fair it's a fair assessment and I think And that's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask a true freshman quarterback. Yeah. You know it, it we'll have to see how it goes. Um but I where do is he from? from from Georgia, so he's from the South, so I guess yeah. I guess he 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 I don't know, Texas won't be too big for him, but um yeah, I mean I, I just that's why that's what I think it comes down to. Ultimately, I do think Clemson does win, but 13 points is a crazy, crazy spread um, for me. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think I think I'm gonna probably throw a little bit down on Notre Dame plus 13. I know I'm getting handed a five dollar bill to throw on the Irish from Third and Girl, so have some action there here at least in our household. But yeah, I I certainly think the this will be the more entertaining of the two or am I a little, am I stretching a little bit there? Are you excited for the one versus four matchup, Greg? I'm excited for Kyler Murray versus Alabama's defense. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> that's all it is. It comes uh, he has a shot. Well, this is his last football game, right? This is his last football yep. game ever. So, uh, well, it an day. well, that we know of, right? So I'm interested because you know, all year you look at you look at Oklahoma and and the game and and even his Heisman Trophy, he was able to elude defenses based on his speed. And when you go up against an Alabama, who guess what, they're equally as fast as you. Um, you know, that's sort of the thing that scares me. The thing that you can say. They've won games because their defense is terrible. They've won games scoring 55 points, scoring whatever. So he is going to have to, Kyler Murray, that is, for Oklahoma's offense, you know, is going to have to put up an absurd amount of points. I mean, the guy threw 40 touchdowns or had 40 touchdowns. Yeah, passed through 40 touchdowns. So, I mean, you're going to have to put up some huge, huge, huge numbers against Alabama's defense who just doesn't give up huge numbers. Yeah. No, uh, when was the last time Alabama let up more than, what, 30? Uh, did they this well, year? They did, yeah, against Arkansas, but it was 65-31. So, you know, I, but you know what I'm saying. Like, this team just one, – one NFL star leaves and another one fills the spot. And one yeah. NFL star leaves, another, it's, a, it's a factory. You know, it's just a factory of, of just – NFL talent, NFL talent, NFL talent, NFL talent. Guess what? NFL talent. Oh, we got a quarterback who's undefeated. Only lost one game in his career. Guess what? Our backup's better. Boom. National championship. Boom. Undefeated season. Like, it's just a factory, right? Yeah, um, I don't think it's too far to to stretch. But this is going to probably be the first year that the one seed wins the college football playoff cha- national championship. Well, yeah, yeah, and and even if Tua gets hurt, I mean, they, pro- I mean, Jalen Hurts proved, you know? proved it. Yeah. yeah, 
I'm I I'm fucking I lost two game one game my entire career. Like I can win two, but so um but yeah, I mean I think I I honestly am, am yes, Alabama, but I'm excited to see if Kyler Murray can do something, do anything, and be exciting and be be Come on. I mean this, this is why he came back to school, Jordy. He said he he said I came back to Oklahoma or I'm playing football. The only reason why I'm playing football is to win a national championship. That's what he said. He said that's the only reason why he's playing. So after watching what Baker did last year in the playoffs, I mean, is it is it that far of a stretch to say that that Kyler's going to try and outdo Baker just like he did all year? Is it that far of a stretch to say that he'll actually be able to outrun some of the some of the Alabama defensive guys who's finally healthy for the first time all year? Is it fair to say that this kid who won the Heisman is going to be able to put up 40 points for Oklahoma against an Alabama team who probably hasn't given up 40 since uh, a video game played against them two weeks, two weeks ago. (laughs) It's fair. It's a fair assessment. (laughs) But uh, yeah, ultimately Alabama Clemson for me, um, just because three years in a row, but it it feels different than, than four years in a row. Three of the last four is the national championship game. Right, it just feels different from uh, from Warriors, Cavs, and all that that we've seen. So, um, you know, I, I'm. It's different because the story. It's different because it's the stories are different, right? It's not the same guys. It's Trevor Lawrence. It's you know now it's. Yeah, that's it's why like, it's that's why you're not you're not upset about it like somebody might have been about Warriors, Cavs for four years. Is that it's not still. LeBron versus Steph. It's not, but it's, you know, instead it's, it's not, it's just different people. And it's, it's, there's a new narrative every year. It's the margin of error is so much thinner in college football than anything else. Um, Yeah. And, and it's like, people get mad at the Patriots, but guess what? You know, it's different guys every year. Tom Brady has had zero. He had one year or two years. He had uh, a hall of fame wide receiver and guess what he did? He put up the most amount of touchdowns, the most amount of yards, the most, the best completion percentage. Uh, Randy Moss had the best individual receiving touchdown performances. Like you give him one year with a good receiver, and guess what? He they go they they go perfect. They go undefeated. So it's like that's what makes the Patriots great. Is that just like Alabama? They they do. I mean, Alabama is different because Alabama does it with the best players in the country. But it's just a factory for them, and with the Patriots, it's just, it's just you have the best quarterback of all time, and with the Cavaliers, you have LeBron James, who is the best in the game right now, and everyone else is just filler, and that's the same thing with the Patriots, and that's boring, and I get it, but the you know this is this is exciting because you get Clemson, you get a, a true freshman quarterback, you get a, a, a running back who's second year, you know. Again, true freshman, so he this is his second year. And then you get Alabama with Tua and um, Kyler Murray, who's literally his only year playing football. You know, it, it's just a uh, yeah. It's going to be a ton of fun to watch, and certain, and it's great that it's not on New Year's Eve, so I can actually sit down and watch it either at my house or at a bar, and I don't have to worry about enter, you know being present on New Year's Eve with people or being social. I can just sit down and watch football. And then, Greg, go right into week 17 of the NFL season. I mean, what now a transition. What a transition. This week 17, Greg, 
might be the most busy week 17 I can remember in a long time. There's a lot of seeding still up in the air, especially in the AFC, uh, but open spots in the NFC, <clears throat> division titles to be won. It's it's pretty it's pretty intense. I'm actually pretty excited to watch it. This is one of the weekends. I don't have red zone. I usually go over to a friend's house. It's one I'm probably gonna go. I I can't even because the Eagles are still hanging in there. They couldn't, and if they end up winning, I wouldn't care. But the, you know, if but if they lose, it's one of those. You know, I wish I could have had a, a this day to relish in the busy week 17. But Fingers crossed that they end up winning. I mean, I'm going to a bar. I know that with some buddies. So hopefully they have the other games on so we can look from one TV to another during commercials. But instead of my hecticness, Greg, what have your thoughts been? The Patriots, we haven't gotten to talk to you all year. You know what? Uh, in a quote-unquote down year where you've already won the division again, but you might not have a bye, what are your thoughts? Well, to be clear, they're in a bye right now. Uh, they have to win to maintain the bye. They have a shot. Um, they have a shot at a, at home field throughout, but right now we're just hoping for a bye, um, especially because they look terrible on the road. So a home field throughout would be nice, but we're hoping for a bye. Um, honestly, Jordy, it's a team that doesn't have an identity, and what I mean by that is, so their defense is their defense, like it has been the last couple of years, good enough, and and you know. Well, maybe not good enough, but you know, you know, they're going to be they're what they're going to be. They're going to be let up points and let up stuff. And normally, the offense is consistent enough to put up a ton of or to put up points consistently that you know the other team's going to pass. And then when the defense knows the other team's going to pass, what do they do? They drop back in zone, or you know, they their pass rushers can go right at it. So this this year's defense has had to actually deal with um, offenses from opposing teams being able to run their full playbook because the Patriots offense has been anything but good. Um, and by that, I mean simply, yes, Tom Brady is, is still having, you know, his good numbers, not MVP like last year. Sure. But no element for the first four games. They, they plugged and played some wide receivers there. Then there were some injuries with Gronk and Edelman and um, Hogan. And, and then, you know, then you had Cordell Patterson being your starting running back for a game. Uh, and then you had Josh Gordon join. And Josh Gordon was great for the team, great for great for Tom Brady for a little bit. They had a great little run there. Um, and then they went to Miami. And that bullshit happened. And if that didn't happen, Jordy, if that didn't happen, you're talking about an 11-4 and four team. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I'll, you know I'll give – I'll give Pittsburgh the win, you know, whatever. You make me feel good. But if my miracle doesn't happen, the Patriots are are probably a little more focused because they're not, like, answering questions about the dumbass Miami miracle, and they're not stunned by that dumbass loss they had. You know what I mean? So there's there's a possibility that they win that game um, just based on actually being able to focus on the Steelers as opposed to talking about what happened the week before. So um, for me – that loss really solidified, and I've been saying it to you all year, not the, the Patriots will be good and be good and be good, but uh, definitely not their year. Now, personally, Jordy, yeah, personally, there's a streak. There's a, there's a streak 
that is sort of uh, on has a chance to be broken. Before you, well, you get to that streak, I wanted to give you a note on the Patriots. Well, the, okay. The Patriots' strength of victory, which is a stat that is basically just the average of all the winning percentages of teams they've beaten, is 513. It's better than their strength of schedule. It's a little under 500, as you might imagine, for any team. It's tough to be over 500 if you're – an over 500 team. The Ravens are one of the few teams in the playoff hunt that have a strength of schedule at 500. The Patriots are the only team with one over 500 or anywhere even close to that number. <clears throat> it is 513. Do you want to know who the closest is of any playoff team in the hunt? Is this a good thing? This is a good thing. It means you beat good teams. Yes. You lost to shit teams, but it means you beat good teams. I was going to get to that, the loss of shit teams, but go ahead. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, though, is that you beat good teams. The closest team of any team in the hunt is the Eagles. Uh, in the AFC, it's not even close. The closest team to them in strength of victory is the Tennessee Titans at 467. So you're a full, almost a half a, almost a half a percentage or 50 points ahead of them. Uh, but what that means, though, is that you're good at beating good teams. You might not be good at beating the bad teams, but you're good at beating good teams. So even if you don't, you know, by some yeah, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not on the Patriots. beats you, and you don't get the bye. I think you're going to be fine, at least for a couple of rounds. You know, I'm not. You beat I'm the not, already. You beat. You beat the Texans. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and you did. You, you no, know, you didn't have to play the Ravens. Uh, you lost to the Steelers. By the way, did it piss you off as much as it pissed me? Completely third-party bystander when Jim Nance said, "Oh, that is a catch." When Jesse James had his first catch in the in the game against the Patriots a couple weeks ago. I mean, Jordy, I'm glad you picked up on it because the Patriots and Patriot fans have been dealing with this BS for years and years and years. Um, you know, they hate us because they ain't us. Um, and, I mean, you look at the Patriots, Jordy, they lost to, to stupid-ass, dumb-ass teams, right? Like, the Patriots, the Patriots are playing the Jets this week. Yep. Okay? The Jets, how many wins do the Jets have? Four. They're four, four wins. Okay, the the Jets beat the Lions. One of the Patriots' five losses was to who? The Lions. You guessed it, the Lions. Okay, let's go back to the Jets. One of their three, one of their four wins. They didn't play the the Patriots. Did not play the Broncos, so you can get that. Their other win uh, versus the Colts. Patriots didn't play them, but the Patriots beat them, right? What? The Patriots oh, beat the Sorry, the Patriots. The, the Patriots did beat the Colts. Sorry, the Patriots did beat the Colts. Uh, but the Patriots lost the Titans, um, got spanked by the Titans, and the Jets lost the Titans by like four points. Okay, both on the road there. The Patriots mm -hmm. lost the Dolphins, uh, and the Jets turned around and lost the Dolphins again. Close game, close game. But the point the is Bears that – The Bears lost to the Dolphins, so you guys have that in common. Yeah, so the, the point being that uh, – this isn't. I mean, we'll see. But I. I mean, let's win this weekend. Let's let's go out on on top. Get the eleventh win. Um. And and hopefully, hopefully, Kansas City and the Chargers lose. So the Patriots can get home field throughout. But we'll just settle for a bye at this point with a win. We'll secure that. Um, Jordy, I'm going to get scenarios before you do your streak. No, no. Let's. Okay. Let me, let me do streak first, Jordy. What right. it involves quarterbacks, it involves the AFC. 
So this is now I just gave it away. But what streak is is on the line here? Uh, is it Big Ben in the playoffs? It's Tom Brady, Big Ben or Peyton Manning, and Joe Flacco, the four quarterbacks since oh, 2000- the AFC Championship game since two thousand one. Oh. The four quarterbacks. Oh, my God. oh no! The four, the four quarterbacks to to be in the Super Bowl for the AFC. There's only been four quarterbacks since two thousand one. Four quarterbacks. And it's only possible that you get two of them in the playoffs. And and Joe Flacco's not even the starter, so does that really no. count if he goes to the Super Bowl? I don't so know. There's the streak is basically Tom Brady has to make it just to keep it alive, uh, or or Lamar Jackson has to get hurt, which would be unfortunate, and we're not rooting for injuries. No. So Flacco would have to come in and, and be the starter um, just to keep the streak alive. Do you think though? Because the Browns are just playing the – they're basically – they're in no man's land in terms of a, of a pick. They're going to get somewhere mid-first-round pick. Do you think, though, that they're going to come out swinging against the Ravens and the Steelers pull it out against the Bengals and get the fourth seed? So – That's how the Steelers make the playoffs. They, have, they can only win the division with a Ravens loss and them beating Cincinnati. So Cleveland has a shot at – Eight, a winning, seven, and one. A winning season. 500. A winning, a, yeah, exactly. Being above 500, a winning season. So, yes, I do think Cleveland will will 100% play hard uh, because, again, like I said, their first winning season in how long? Now, 07? Isn't that the last time they made the playoffs? Maybe. Yeah. Now, is Pittsburgh playing? Oh, they're at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, they, right. they set that up so that all games that have implications with one another play at the same time. That's why the Cowboys Giants is at one, but Eagles Redskins is at four thirty because the Eagles Redskins is linked to the Bears Vikings and to the Rams and all that sort of stuff. Right. So let's go through AFC, like you said, playoff scenarios. Um, Kansas City and the Chargers both eleven and four. Kansas City loses and the Chargers win. Chargers take over first place and clinch. Home field throughout the playoffs. Crazy, yes. crazy, 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 crazy to think about. Um, Kansas City is playing uh, Oakland, and the Chargers are playing Denver. Jordy, any upset you see happening in either no. one of those games? No, I don't think so. I don't think the Raiders are really – I don't think they have any shot at being the Chiefs, even if the, the Chiefs are playing for you know the just a regular midseason game. I think they're going to probably – Get up high on this team. I don't think the Raiders can keep up at any sort of pace that the that the Chiefs could do for even a half. So I think they get up enough, maybe through into the third quarter, maybe through three quarters. They, then they finally sit Mahomes, Hill, all those guys. Um, and I don't, you know, maybe the Broncos are playing for something. I don't know. Um, I don't see anything there that would that would make me think the Chargers would blow this. I think they win. Um, maybe if they see the score at halftime, maybe they sit Phillip Rivers and they end up just blow. You know, they don't give a shit because they the can't. Raiders, the, Raiders, the Raiders did just beat the Broncos. That's true, they did. Um, now, but my point being is that if the Chargers see the score at halftime that the Chiefs are up big, they figure, all right, let's just sit Phillip Rivers. Let's well, say fuck it. There's the fight. There's rumors going out there that the Denver Broncos are going to fire their coach. So this could be his potential last game, which means players yeah, playing are for the coach. playing for the coach. Oh, playing, that's a big. 
Playing for That's the big, big but also, yeah, can't also, quantify it. Yeah, also playing for their jobs. That's true. Um, so I mean, the GM picked him. The GM might like him. So who knows? So 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't see an upset either. But I'm hoping I'm hoping uh, both teams lose because we know the Patriots scenario. They win, they get first round by and lock up the two seed. They win and lost by both those teams. They get they get home field throughout. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, Houston Texans, they've locked their spot in. Uh, they could, they could jump to the two seed and a buy if the Patriots lose. Well, they have not locked it in. They're not officially AFC South champions. They still need to win. Oh Um, yeah. So the AFC South gets really interesting because if they lose, Uh then the Sunday night football game between the Titans and the Colts gets very interesting because not only would the winner get into the playoffs, but if the Titans win, they get the the or if the Texans lose, the winner of that game wins the division. Um, and further, if the Texans lose, the Patriots lose, and the Ravens lose, which I already said is is highly possible, the Titans could get a first round bye. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so the yeah the Texans are in the playoffs, but they are not locked in for the uh, for the division. They could be a ten win. Six seed. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it is possible. All right. As would, as would be the the Titans if or the Titans Colts winner, as long as that doesn't end in a tie. So um, yeah, we talked about that. The Colts Titans are playing basically win and you're in, um, or a hundred percent playing win and you're in, um, yeah. and that is in Indy. No, it's in Tennessee. It's oh. in Nashville. Even yeah. cooler. Even cooler. Yeah, yeah. And then, How many shots do we're gonna get of? Like honky tonk bars or live music shots. Do you th- do you think it's going to be higher in the Music City Bowl or on Sunday Night Football? Is there a prop bet for this? Uh, if, not, like- if anything, I think the Music City Bowl would win that, but you never know. And um, what do you think about Collinsworth with the trombone? I think that'd be hilarious. He rolls in, he does a slide in. Well, because he's a big lanky dude with a big lanky trombone, I think that'd be hysterical. Agreed. Um, but if you saw. The whole town is embracing the remember the Titans bit that the team did, oh, right. and they lined up and did the cheerleading thing across that bridge and the you know the rolling and all that. So, um, you know, do the slide during during uh, warmups. The we are the Titans, the mighty mighty Titans. Yes. Oh man. Sorry. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, I mean. I don't know. It could be Andrew Luck, uh, tough environment for him. Um, but yeah, when you're in, scary team to face off in the playoffs. Um, and and Baltimore being the four seed, they win, they're in, they lose, and the Steelers win. Um, yeah. Um, I don't have scenarios for seeding. I don't know if I don't know if it's locked in that the Titans or the Texans would get the. That if the te- Texans lose, Ravens win. I don't know if that's locked in for seeding of three versus four. Um, did they play each other? I'm checking to see if they played each other this year. Because um, that's also one, too, that could have of who ends up playing the Chargers, if it's going to be Ravens-Steelers or if the Texans have a chance of of doing this. Where, or I guess, no, if they lose, then it would be Titans. It would be Titans-Colts um, would be 10-6. and six. Um 
yeah, I guess I guess there's a lot to be thrown out there of who of all the different seedings. Um, yeah, Greg, this is uh, it's wide open in terms of all the different seedings here. Uh, yeah, the AFC is a mess, but um, anyway, Jordy. End of the day, um, one o'clock matchups. AFC four o'clock matchups outside of Indy, Indy Tennessee. Being the eight PM winner, winner takes all. What's the matchup you're most looking forward to? AFC. AFC matchup I'm looking forward to most of all is probably Browns Ravens. I think this might be the best game of the day. Yep. Because I think Baker Mayfield's just he's on a revenge tour to just show everybody, hey, Hugh Jackson kind of fucked us. He wasn't really he didn't like me. He didn't like the rest of this team. Nick Chubb's been having a stellar year. He's like he's thirty. He's twenty eight yards from a thousand. Baker Mayfield's been having a hell of a year. He's over. He's almost at 30, 3,500 yards, and he didn't play how many games to start the year? Um, hey, you think you think Hugh Jackson didn't like Baker? Isn't that why he didn't play him? He didn't like him, and that's why Baker stared him down last week. I don't. I mean, is that is, did someone say that, or are you just guessing? I'm just guessing, but it, oh, I mean, no, like, no. no I mean, did, you, did did you watch the did you watch the Hard Knocks? He liked them. The cameras were on. We don't know what those was like when the cameras were off. Right. No, I think I honestly think the biggest difference is Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb didn't really get the ball as much um, when he was here, um, and the offensive coordinator were there. And then once they switched, uh, yeah, that's true. He got the ball, and and he sort of got the start, and and sort of sparked that offense because the run game really led to everything else. Because um, I mean, Tyrod Taylor is just an older version of Baker Mayfield. Well. That's an aggressive statement. Sorry, yeah. um, but you know what I mean. He's he's good enough to whatever. But the plan was never to Baker start right away. I feel like nowadays most people ease their quarterbacks in anyway. So, but um, I think Baker Mayfield specifically said he he was upset with Hugh Jackson because the quote was, if I have this correctly, he said, "You asked for us to play for you one day, one week." And then turn around the next week and go sign with the division rival. Mm. So, uh, so it's more of the signing of the Bengals, right? So it was more of he, he Baker feels like, you know, he claims to be a Browns ride or die, and and this team ride or die, and we have to earn our fucking our brown stripe and all that bullshit. But then the next day you turn around and sign with our biggest rival. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Right. So so that I think was the big thing there um but yeah no that's a great great little matchup jordy um for for cleveland and cleveland and baltimore good yep. choice good choice yeah give me the give me the nfc playoff uh scenarios just for just for in and out of the playoffs we'll get the seeding scenarios after well so the nfc is very simple it's all intertwined so the seed so the buys at least go into the te- the two teams that have not cl- that are fighting for one last spot. Uh, the Rams can clinch a first round buy with a win or Chicago loss. Reason I bring that up: Chicago can get it is playing the Vikings. The Bears get a first round buy if they win, and LA loses. On the flip side, if the Vikings win, they're in. But if they lose, it opens up the door for the Eagles to get into the playoffs if they beat the Washington Redskins. All three of those games are at 425. 
So for all intents and purposes, the one o'clock slate in the NFC does not really matter that much. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. All right. So Minnesota, Philly, and Washington all have a chance? No. So Washington's out. The okay. Eagles and the Vikings are the only two teams that are in the hunt for the last spot in the NFC. The one seed is locked up. The Saints have locked up home field because they beat the Rams. The Rams and the Bears are fighting for the two seed. The Whoever doesn't get it gets the three because the Cowboys are locked into the four. The Seahawks, I believe, are locked into the five. Because I think even if they lose, I think by simply just conference record, I think they have that over the Eagles. They would be nine and five in that, or uh, seven and five within the NFC, and the Eagles would be six and six uh, if the Eagles got into the playoffs. Um, I think if the Seahawks lose and the Vikings win, then the Vikings get the five and the Seahawks would get the six. Um, so we'll see what the Seahawks want to do there. Uh, but yeah, it's the Minnesota and the Eagles fighting for that last spot, though. Okay. So you think uh, Minnesota Miracle again? Or you think uh, Philly Philly uh, Nick Folds pulls it out? I mean, I think Nick Folds can pull it out against the Redskins. I think since they lost Alex Smith, they haven't really been anything, you know, that scary. Uh, their defense is still pretty solid. But I think the way that the offense has been humming since Foles uh, took over for the injured Wentz, I think they've, they've looked fine enough. Uh, they haven't been that great on the road, but I say that, and the last time they were on the road, they they beat the Rams in L.A. So we'll see what happens. It's supposed to rain down in Landover, Maryland, so you're going to see a lot of Darren Sproles. You're going to see a lot of Josh Adams, a lot of shorter passes, which is what Nick Foles thrived in during his first stint in Philadelphia. So we'll see what the Redskins defense can do there. What it really comes down to is do the Bears try to go for the bye? Um you know, you think they would, or at least for a half they do, and kind of look over and see what the Rams do. They're playing the 49ers. And then maybe they sit their guys. If, same scenario we were talking about before with the Chargers. If they see that the Rams are up big against the 49ers, do they want to sit their guys and just say, you know, well, let's let Minnesota get into the playoffs. And, you know, we're not going to get this by. Why let Trubisky or anybody else get hurt when we have a playoff game to go out and win next week? Um, ironically, yeah. it would be against. It would probably be against the Vikings, but you know, they got to. Yeah. Kind of, I mean, there's a little bit of scoreboard watching there. I hear you. Um, I think the bigger thing I think for the Bears would be Trubisky, right? Keeping him yeah. healthy. Exactly. Um, regardless of the buy, I think he's the he would be the reason because with his shoulder and all that, I think I think if anything, right. That's the biggest question mark to me is how long he plays and if he plays and and how important is the buy with his health right so yeah that's probably, that's probably the biggest storyline coming into the day um because the saints locked up the the buy and the rams are playing who saints have locked up home field so they're not moving anywhere they're the one seed the rams are playing the 49ers yeah, uh, there's no way. There's no way. So that's the thing is, you can go into the game saying there's no way the 49ers win that game, and yeah. you know we'll just sit Trubisky. But I mean, you never know. The you never know. The Raiders beat the Broncos last week, so yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, and they've won a game with uh, with their backup. So yeah, and the Eagles, oh. Eagles beat the Patriots. So you never know. Yeah. I mean, Big Dick Nick, man, it's hard to hard to really defend yourself against him. Ask L.A. <laughs> um, so you could also 
Tampa Bay because they beat them. But um, so yeah, yeah no, so, a, lot, so, a lot of those games you could have wished you had back. Yeah, well, yeah, I wish uh, yeah. I wish a couple of them back. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I mean, the the big thing I think that is interesting here is Minnesota because Minnesota, if everything stands pat, the first round matchup is bears Minnesota. Yep. So it could almost be a statement for Minnesota to send to the bears or the bears to send to Minnesota. So, you know, it could be one of those things where maybe the bears want to play Minnesota and, and, and we'll, I don't want to say lose on purpose, but sort of, okay, give us your best shot. We'll see what plays you're going to run for next week. Um, here's a hotel. We'll, we'll buy it for you now. Um. <laughs> on the flip side of it, this game's in Minnesota, whereas they're going to go back to Chicago, where the Bears had a very convincing win over the Vikings, uh, you, know, however, you know, six weeks ago in week 11. So, I mean, sure, you can say, all right, you know, here's, you know, here's the key to your hotel room. We'll see, you know, we'll see on the practice field. But I don't know. I mean, changing locations after a week. I think the thing with the Vikings is that after that dud of a Monday night game they put up against the Seahawks, where they looked like they were left for dead and that they were going to just completely tailspin their way out of the playoffs, they come back, they thwomp on the Dolphins. And then their defense really stepped up this past weekend, or last week, rather, against Detroit. And now here they sit with, you know, a playoff berth really on their doorstep. And, you know, I, I think when you look back at this Minnesota Vikings def- or team that had so much hype coming into it to start the year, yeah, where they, they beat have- team still with Jimmy G, they tie the Packers, which, I mean, that should have been the first sign of it. But then they come out, they lose to the Bills, they lose to the Rams. You know, I mean, the, the start of their season really is probably where you have to think, you know, what happened here. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. Um, I Especially because you go out and you sign a guy in a, or a quarterback in, in someone that you thought would be better than Case Keenum and in, in, in theory – Record-wise, they're worse, right? So uh, you spent all this money on a guy who simply did not have a, as good of a year record-wise as they did yeah. last year. So, um, you know, I, I – I, it would be interesting. Interesting to say the least. And, and the Eagles, if somehow they make the playoffs because of fucking Nick Foles, I mean, you just trade Carson Wentz tomorrow. Nah, no, 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 no. You're- your uh, big overreaction there. But I do want to give you this stat, Greg. Kirk Cousins, you know what his record is against teams that are above 500? In career or this year? Career. This year it's not much better than the career. <laughs> well, that's a good indicator, uh, so I have no idea. what What is it? His record against teams that are above 500, his career is 4-23. Four and twenty-three. Yeah, that's miserable. It's awful. It is awful. And think about that. You mentioned it when we first started talking about them. Minnesota Miracle was one of those wins, or no, it was the Vikings win. Uh, I forgot he was with the Redskins last year. But I mean, he really like you have to wonder was that investment worth it? I mean, even if they make the playoffs, 
and then he puts up a dud against the Bears in the first round in you know in a week and a half when we look at Wild Card Weekend. You know, I mean, you have to wonder: Do they need to? Did they overpay? Do they get themselves trapped in some sort of scenario where now because of the salary cap, their defense might start to you know fall apart a little bit, like we saw, like we thought we were going to see with Seattle, and much more so, or what, what we thought it could have really been with Seattle, I should say. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. every every team was going to overpay for Cousins because he just won an absurd amount of money. That's like that was his thing going into the offseason was that he wanted an absurd amount of of money for a quarterback who wasn't worth it. Yeah, every year. I mean, every year he he proved himself to the Redskins that he was worth the worth getting the the deal because he kept getting franchise tag. But, but I don't but know. I mean, that's, worth it, that's what that's why they didn't want to pay him because was he worth it? Yeah, I don't know. Let's go back to strength of victory, though, Greg. The Vikings have even worse, even a wider margin of a worse strength of victory than the Patriots do of the best strength of victory. You want to know what theirs is? Three, four. Their eight wins, their average opponent's winning percentage is 354. The next team is the Bears. At 406, and a lot of that has to do with the Lions being 5 and 10, but that is abysmal. And they both played the fucking Cardinals, so that doesn't help you either. But no. yeah, no, that's and, that's and the 49ers, but it's pretty bad. Now, do you fire the coach? I don't know. Right now, right now, they're caught in the Flyers' mirror, they're caught in that. Good enough, but not good enough. Yeah, I mean their defense has been good enough. It's a it's a weird thing with the I guess it's a I guess their quarterback play is kind of like the Flyers goalies play. If we're gonna use this 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 level, they have this they have a goal they have you know quarterback play that's been good enough, but to get them oh so far, but not good enough to get them over the hump. Well, you think about it, you got Dalvin Cook who is who has proven to be a top ten running back. Yeah. You got. You got Diggs and Thielen, who are right up there in the. You could argue Diggs they're is up in the conversation with the best wide. I'd say they're both in wideouts. So that is that too stretching too far? They're both what? Top ten wideouts. Top ten might be stretching just because. Uh, top fifteen. I mean, top. I mean, well. Anyway, I would I would I would say Cooks for sure. Um, yeah. Thielen. I don't know. I mean, I mean that's good. That's a good argument. You're right. You could you could argue it. Sure. Um, They're both consistent. But like, but again, you talk about Odell Beckham. You talk about Antonio Brown. You talk about Smith Schuster. You talk about you know there are guys out there who, I mean, Diggs. I would say Brandon Cooks. I would say Diggs in the conversation. Um, Thielen, I think, is more of a struggle to get in the top fifteen. But you never know. Um, yeah, so they have offensive weapons. They have an offensive line. Their defense is what they're traditionally known for, quote unquote. So, um, I don't know. I, I I I hear what you're saying, Jordy, but I mean, it might be time to reevaluate the coach, or or like you said, reevaluate the quarterback. Um, maybe maybe take a flyer out on Nick Foles, or or take a flyer out on Carson Wentz, because the Eagles the Eagles have a problem, and it starts at quarterback now you're just trying to troll me <laughs> i do want to remind you though that it is because of the it's because of the vikings quarterback problems uh, the eagles would eventually have the draft picks to win the super bowl 
So uh, the Vikings, Vikings helped out a lot there with uh, trading for good old Sammy B. Uh, what a what a what a world we live in. Um, so yeah, for so NFC matchup um, of the week that you're looking forward to, Jordy. Um, mine's bias. Yeah. It's, it's mine's bias. It's the Eagles Redskins. I want to see the Eagles win, um, but probably non. You know going objective here probably bears vikings see how that goes i was gonna say uh, you, ha you have to say bears vikings yeah because that's what it's what it all depends on uh but i do want to see the eagles win so i'm gonna be watching that but yeah, there's but I mean, you have to say bears vikings just because of two playoff teams two teams that even if the vikings don't make it they're still considered a playoff team or like you know an eight they're, you know uh they're above they're, 500 they've locked that in because they're eight six and one no yeah, matter what, win or lose. They're also like you know, right now they're a playoff team, so it's it's two playoff teams as of now. Yeah. Now, uh, now there's no chance the Redskins without if Alex Smith is still playing, the Redskins win. Or the Redskins are in the playoffs. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting question to look at, right? Because he got hurt in week twelve. Yeah, right before Thanksgiving, week eleven. Uh, so let's look, let's just look at their schedule there. What of who they had. Um, yeah, he got hurt. I think it was against the Texans. Then they go in, they play the Cowboys. Maybe they pull that out. They only lost by eight points. They lose to the Eagles. I'm on in it football. They get spanked by the Giants. They beat the Jaguars. Uh, and then they lose to the Titans in Nashville, uh, which it seemed like every NFC team, East team played, played in Nashville this year. But, uh, I know that's not true. I think the Giants and, and Cowboys hosted the Titans, but, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, they were right in the driver's seat, Craig, when they when they lost Alex Smith. They were right there. They were six and four by losing to the Texans. Even if they don't lose, even if they still lose that game, I think they could have could have gone out and beaten beaten the Cowboys. That Eagles game becomes a lot more intriguing than the Eagles just pulling away with it in the second half. I don't think they lose to the Giants. They probably still beat the Jags. And then that Titans game probably becomes one of the most intriguing matchups on the NFL slate last weekend. Or last Saturday, yeah, you're right, and and I mean, because Colt McCoy came in halfway through that that first game, so they they could have won that game too, right? Yeah, it's actually a really good point. It was about halfway through the game, so I mean, you're looking at a team that that's three losses in the last four weeks. So you're looking at a team that that's five you know, of their last six games, right? So even more. So you're looking at you're looking at a what, they went from six and three to seven and eight. Yeah, so a six and three, you're looking at. Let's say, let's say they win three of those games, or four. Let's say, let's just say they win three instead of one. You're at nine, right? And yeah. you're you're nine and six. You're ahead of the Cowboys, and and you're in the playoffs. You're nine. And, well, depends on if they beat the Cowboys or not. I think because the Cowboys by beating the Eagles and Giants or the Eagles twice, and they're playing the Giants for the last time this weekend. Okay, uh, so by the way, you're nine and six. You're tied for the. You're you're in the playoffs. Yeah, you'd be in the playoffs. You're, you'd be right there with you might you'd be right there with the Seahawks. Right. Uh, depending on where the Eagles are, they might still be in it. And this and that game might be the Sunday night football game instead right. of Titans Colts. Um, but no, so, it's really it's really intriguing of what well, happens. Well, so answer this question: Why does Seattle clinch at nine and six? But if the Eagles win, they'd be nine and seven, and Seattle loses, they'd be nine and seven. Uh, I think I went over this before, but. If they're both nine and seven, their conference records, I think, is what come into play because they didn't play each other. 
Um, and the Seahawks would be seven and five in the NFC, and the Eagles would be six and six. I think is what the tiebreaker is because I don't think I think then it goes to common opponents because the Seahawks play the Rams twice. Um, I don't know. I think maybe that's why it goes go. It's below conference record. Uh, I'd have to look at what the what the full list of tiebreakers are. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I mean, it's, it's found interesting to me. Um, anywho, I mean, yeah. Anywho, um, so yeah, Jordy. I mean, the, the so Seattle and, and Dallas, they're both playing for hosting, right? Like, if if Dallas loses, they go on the road. No, Dallas clinched their division, so they get a home game. Um, oh, okay, got it. No matter what, got it. Seattle, I think they win, they're going to Dallas. If they lose, it might become some intriguing. They lose, Minnesota wins. Seattle would go to the three seed, presumably the Bears. Uh, oh, no, it would be the Bears because the Vikings would have beaten them. So if Seattle loses and the Vikings win, it's Seahawks, Bears, Cowboys, Vikings. Uh, with the Rams as the two seed and the Saints as the one. So you're uh, da- you're Dallas. Are you sitting Zeke Elliott? Yeah, you're sitting everybody. Their game doesn't matter. Yeah. No. Not Cole Beasley. Yeah. That motherfucker will play. Has he already said that? No, I'm just, do it? I'm just saying he's like a fourth fourth wide receiver. He's playing. Yeah. He All right, play so, so I know you don't want to – predict without knowing who's in but if i gun to your head today uh who represents the nfc who represents the afc in the super uh, i'd say i'd say it'd be pat saints you put a gun yeah. in my head wow yeah. wow interesting i just i don't the chiefs have been so inconsistent i mean granted you can say that now that they've lost two games in a row but i think the bright lights in the playoffs they might win a game they might get to the afc championship but I don't know even if the Patriots have to go to Kansas City if that it's that's you know that it gives them the that gives the Chiefs the win. I think the Pats just use experience and the you know the Patriot way to, to get it done. Same thing with Houston. I think if they're especially if they're the three seed, I think even if they somehow were able to pull, I guess they'd have to play the Patriots in the in the second round. But um, yeah, I I just think that that would get to them, especially going up to New England when they're a dome team from Houston. It's that's tough, you know. Um, I just think, as much as you want to, is I was joking. That was a down year for the Pats. I, you know, I think it's still until they lose, until they really get really shown up. It's their conference to lose, in my opinion, every year. Yeah, I mean that'd be ultimate sweet revenge for the Patriots in terms of beating the Chiefs um, in Arrowhead after after Trent Dilfer declared them dead, dead right? Yeah. <laughs> So, you just have him and Belichick the trophy, and Belichick sl- slams him in the head with it. Right? I mean, that'd be that'd be sweet redemption. That'd be sweet redemption. Um, I like the pick. Um, and the reason why I'm out on the Rams is is just because they. No, I said the Saints. I said the Saints, not the Rams. I know. I, I'm talking about. I'm agreeing with you. The reason why I'm out on the Rams is because, I mean, you look at any big game they played. Um, you know they 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 beat the Chiefs in a shootout. They lost to the Saints in a shootout. They beat the Seahawks twice, who are a playoff team. Or no, sorry. Yeah, they beat the Seahawks twice, who are a playoff team. They um, couldn't get it in Chicago. 
which I think that's more telling than losing to the Eagles at home because that's kind of a that's like a trap game you weren't expecting the Eagles to come out with 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 as much fight as you did. And going to New Orleans is just tough, but the Chicago loss is what's telling to me. Yes and no, because Chicago's defense has been great all year, and you're on the road in a cold weather environment. And Jared Goff went to school in California and hates cold weather. So, uh, I mean, if they can, if I mean, they're not going to be playing another cold weather game for the rest of the year. So, I mean, it it, it might prove out well for them. Um, I think it really comes down to the Rams. It comes down to their defense because how many shootouts can you win, you know? No, that's a really good point. And I think in New Orleans, that's a place for shootout. If you're a shootout team, that's where you go to die, especially against this Saints team that uses a dynamic running back that can both run it down your throat and go out wide, both in terms of swing passes and out of the slot like Kamara can, that really can pick apart a team like that. And Breeze loves that kind of an environment. And that's anytime you you have a A-team game, whether it's Fox, CBS, or NBC's top crews. That's what they talk about of slowing this game down, not letting the not letting the Saints control the pace of it, and really not letting Breeze get into that that I'm trying to think of a pitcher who does not wait in between pitches, but I'm not, so I'm just gonna roll with it. But that high fast pace that Drew Breeze likes to get into where he can uh, just Chris Sale. Never heard of him. Yeah, I was gonna use Mark Burley, but that's a little bit of a dated reference. So that's why I had to trip over myself there. Um, remember him? His yeah, perfect. But anyway, yeah, Kurt. That's actually a good one. Um, Thank I'm you. Not, I'm, not, I'm not sure if we're allowed to recognize Kurt Schilling anymore. Um, World Series champion with the Red Sox, so I'm gonna recognize him. All right, uh, two time. You're you for two time. Two time. Um, um, but yeah, no. So all right, I like I like the picks. Um, Jordy, before we do a quick two line icing, uh, blue line icing. Blue line icing. Uh, anything else want to wrap up NFL? No, I think I think this season's been great. I love the fact that the parody conversation has really proven that it's not dead in the NFL. Um, I think the Patriots being ten and five, and they might have a chance of getting home field. They might not even get a buy. That whole thing. I think that helps with it. Um, I think the fact that the Chargers are right there. The Titans after. Looking like they were dead in a rebuild year where they had a new coach. They just, you know, they made the playoffs last year, but it didn't look like it did them any good. Um, and Mariota was hurt in the beginning of the year. Yeah, Mariota being hurt at the beginning of the year. The Ravens are back. The Steelers. I think them being down, I think that's a it's an interesting storyline because it brings in you know, a lot of different things of where do they go from there, the Browns being good. Um, you know, there are a lot of good storylines across the board in the NFL. Um Whereas, you know, a lot of the, the last couple of years has been so much off the field stuff. Not that there wasn't this year. There certainly was a lot of you know, terrible off the field storylines that came about as the year went on. But I think this year is definitely a positive in the, the history of the sport. And it's 99th season for the NFL. Yeah, I mean, uh, hard to disagree with what you said. Um, you know, I don't know. If... <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess it really, you know, it, it really is um, week to week who will win, right? It's not, you know, I, it, like some there, of the yeah. – There's no guaranteed rollover and die game. Well, and, and some of the teams that, like, you know, I guess you wouldn't expect 
I don't know. I, 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 you wouldn't expect the Saints to lose to Larry, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick and and um, Tampa Bay, right? You wouldn't expect, you know, you wouldn't expect Tom Brady to lose to a rookie head coach on the road. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you're right. It's it's sort of a anybody's week, week to week. There's no real you know, ex- throw expectations out the window, I guess. No, totally agree with you. Let's do a little quick blue line icing, two line icing, something that rhymes with blue and two line icing. Um, I like blue line Greg, icing. Blue line icing, but I was trying to make a joke there. Greg, it's been about a month since we've talked NHL, and since then, obviously the Flyers have, have continued to fire their coach. There's been a lot of different storylines. The Hartford Whalers made their brief return the other night. Yeah, beat the Bruins. Yeah, they did beat the Bruins. What have your thoughts been, though? I mean, Tampa's starting to really claw their way out of it. Same with Toronto. Um, the West is starting to look like they're just pummeling the shit out of each other. What have been your thoughts? Yeah, Tampa's established themselves as a, as a true fucking, just like last year. Um, yeah. And Toronto's keeping pace, which is huge for them. The Bruins are finally healthy tonight. It's the first game back for Char, DeBrus. Bergeron came back yesterday. Um, Kevin Miller came back today. So, um, back too, right? What? Did McAvoy back? Yeah, McAvoy came back probably two weeks ago. But they, uh, yeah, it's been injury riddled for them. Uh, and Tuca has been, you know, might as well be a Flyers goalie at this point. Um, Heyo, keep the gloves up. Hey, hey Carter Hart looking, looking a little pretty solid. What two two games? That's it, or three games? Three games. He's two and one. Two and one. He lost the other game, huh? Yeah, to Flyer Killer and our I won't I won't say our friend, but our uh, our aged person, dude that's our age, Cam Atkinson, who just murders the Flyers. Uh, I want to look up his specific numbers against Philly, but Cam Atkinson loves loves playing against the Orange and Black. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? Um, so, I mean, the storylines, the Sabres are, are going nowhere. Um, Washington looking – looking, they're, again, leading their division, looking again like they're going to make a little run here in the playoffs. Pittsburgh finally getting healthy, just like we talked about. They're going to have a little run, and they're going to they're gonna make a go for it. They'll be fine, like we talked about it. Um, the Rangers over. Since last time he talked, what'd you say? Rangers cooled off since last time he talked. They're now in fifth in the Metropolitan. Yeah, they're playing like a team who's in a rebuild and has a first year coach. Um, I mean, Calgary is still on a tear um, despite losing their last three, but San Jose, you figured they'd be a little better. Vegas is, is right there. Um, Edmonton, since firing their coach, has done pretty well. So, um, you know, it, it's and then moving obviously over to the other side of the West, Winnipeg, there, Predators, Colorado, um, and Dallas, where the teams you thought would be there would be there. Um, so while there, the the there's so much young talent in the league, and and everyone talks about how good the young guys are, and how you know it's sort of a it's a fun, exciting league to watch right now. Yeah. The, the playoff teams, as of now, are looking similar to the same as last year. 
um, simply because that's how you're built. You know, you're built with with some of the best guys, and and they're there for a couple of years. So, um, which is exciting for for if you're a fan of those teams. But if you're someone like uh, the Flyers, or so I guess. So I guess what I'm saying is here's here's the thing: is there's outside of what I'm trying to say is outside of uh let's say outside of anaheim who's still in the playoffs but outside of them every team that's, they're right every, there well every team that's not in the playoffs i would say is super young and rebuilding yeah a lot of, a lot more teams are embracing the tank I, I think the only team that might not be still in tank mode might be the devils but they should be um just because they've i mean they've gotten a number of, of solid dudes a number of high draft picks and you just thought with most of that team coming back that they would be in a better position to be a higher seed than last year they were in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're beating up on the Bruins right now. So um, this being Thursday night, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Um, Let me ask but- you this. You, you always use the flyers as the example. When is it time to put Florida in that purgatory spot too? Cause they're another team that's been, you know, every year it seems like Florida's added another dude that's going to make them, a team to beat or a team to try to keep pace with Tampa or a team to make the playoffs and be a playoff threat. I mean, they've won a playoff series a couple of years ago, but they really haven't done a lot since then. <laughs> well, the Panthers' biggest problem, Jordy, is Luongo, their contract they gave him. Yeah. They're spending so much money on him that they can't, they, they can't afford more than top two lines. Yeah. And even then, can you name me one player on the team who's not Luongo? Alexander Barkov. Nice. Anyone else? Uh, Keith Yandel. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, that's my point. That's my point, though. Like, we have another stud from BU. But that's my point. Is that that's my point? Is that you're not going to win in this league, like you said? Um, you know. Maybe they should be the team, but you're not going to – Cotton Limbo, but you're not going to win in this league without more than two guys that, that an average fan can name. And yeah. you're, you're you're an above-average fan, right? You're a guy who watches and goes to games, so you're an above-average fan, and you still – you know, I mean, and me too. I'm I'm in the same boat. So it's just one of those things, no disrespect to the guys in their team. I know, I know you know, they have Riley Nash, who used to be in the Bruins. They have a couple of players who, who – um, used to be on the Bruins and and were that sort of uh, the third and fourth line on the Bruins and expecting to be first lines with the Panthers. So, um, you know, we talked about them a couple weeks ago, but you're right. I think, yes, I'm agreeing with you. I think they, as well as the Flyers, are the uh, cotton limbo. Yeah, I mean, the Flyers, though – they do have the prospects. They just need to get older. They're starting to come up. They're fine. The new GM, Clark Fletcher, Chuck Fletcher, started to bring him up. Things are looking good. Eventually, they'll look good. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. If you can win with young guys coming, cycling in and out, um, like what the Bruins are doing now, and and I mean, you could argue what the Panther, I mean the the Penguins are doing now too, a little bit. Um, I mean, they still have Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, all those guys. <laughs> I know, but Crosby's playing with, with two guys who were rookies last year. 
Yeah, because he's one of the best players in the world, so he can make he makes anybody look good. That's what I'm saying. But like, you're not seeing Drew play with rookies. You're not seeing. That's what I'm saying. Is that like, if the 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 Penguins can do it while bringing up young guys, and and same with the Lightning. Um, you know, they have the that that huge second year defenseman from last year is gross and still there now. And the Bruins doing the same thing. I mean, the Sabers, everyone's on their team young, so it's not like they have like a a base to do it with from before. But um, I mean, if I was the Red Wings, here's the thing: if I was a team like the Red Wings who was in a rebuild mode and had young guys, but I wasn't in the hunt like Buffalo was, or I wasn't, you know, sort of my first year rebuild like Ottawa is. Yeah. I'd be a little nervous right now because if Buffalo's proving anything, it's that, you know, maybe their young talent isn't as good as someone else is rebuilding. Well, that's what, that's the one thing that when we talk about like the Flyers and all their prospects, and as optimistic as I can be, whenever Morgan Frost finally comes up to the NHL or Carter Hart turns out to be the first solid goalie the Flyers have had in 25 years. Like the Sabres had a number two pick and Jack Eichel, who's an absolute stud. The Flyers have a number two pick and Nolan Patrick a couple of years later, who not so much, you know, he's, we're still waiting for him to be, you know, certified top six NHL talent. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's not to the degree that basketball can be when you tank where year after year, there's, there's some years where you get, you know, the next LeBron, you get the next, you know, whomever. And there's some years where you get a guy that, that turns out that his shoulder can't fucking function. Markel is not as bad. Yeah. You know who I was talking about. <laughs> Hockey's not as bad, but it's, you know, there is still some of that degree. I mean, I guess there is in every sport, right? You know, there's some first round duds in the NFL or first one, one studs, if you will, or duds, studs, studs and duds. Jesus Christ. I can't speak, but you know, I, I feel like, you know, there is some, there's some level to that in hockey where, I mean, Detroit got, what's his face, the sweet, the Swedish guy last year. Right. And it, you know, and I guess we're still waiting for what, Rock, you know. Rock, 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 oh, Rock, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I did not have his name in front of me. Dolan. Dolan, thank you. Um, but still, you know, we, we it really, you're right. If you're Detroit, you have to wonder how much longer of this do we have to suffer through before we finally start getting, you know, whatever we can back. And do we have to start dealing out pieces that we only get, you know, conditional picks for and, hope that those teams don't end up doing well, like, you know, or anything, you know, anything in that sort of, you know, stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's definitely an interesting spot to be in because you're not getting to the point where there's the severe haves and haves nots type scenario. Although you could argue that about the Atlantic division. Um, but there's definitely uh, there's definitely something to behold of a, of a team in a rebuild. I mean, the Atlantic Division probably you could argue has the four, four of the four of the top six teams in the NHL. Yeah, I would agree with that. Maybe, maybe, maybe four of the top seven or eight. Just, but still, they have four of the top. I'd say four of seven. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, that's that's, and that's if you include that's how many teams do you include of the Western conference. Yeah. You know, I mean, the predators are a little cold. I'd throw them up in there. No, you I'd get even Winnipeg, 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 Nashville, Calgary. Yeah. Winnipeg's um, a question. I'd say Winnipeg's a top three team. 
I, it's their right now. It's their conference to lose. They have to just get over that hump in the in the playoffs. I mean, Calgary looks so good, Jordy. I yeah, don't know. I think I. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but the way Calgary's built with that young speed and just they have the grit to match Winnipeg, but yeah, uh, you know, I guess Winnipeg's fast too, but I don't know, man. No, Winnipeg's pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about that obviously more. Um, That'd, be full That'd be a great but, matchup. That'd be a great matchup. Yeah, Jordy, so they, they – I'm not sure if you saw this, but they announced the captains for the four all-star teams, which happen to be the four divisions. Um, and the rules from last year were every team in the conference has to have at least one player in the team, and there's what, there's what eight people on the team total or something crazy like that. Something. Um, no, it's, I think ten, because I think there's a couple teams that get two players. Right. Okay. So ten team, ten, ten players, and there's eight teams. Um, and, and ten players, but then there's also three goalies. So, or two goalies. What is it? Uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. Ten players, three goalies. Two goalies. Two goalies. Two goalies. Yeah, because then there's four for the skills competition yeah. and all that. So, yeah, so yeah. 10 players, two goalies, so it's 12 total, and you have to have one player from every team. Um, so from the Atlantic, it was a surprise pick, actually. It was Matthews from Toronto. Did you see this? No, I did not see this. I'm pulling him now. Okay. Uh, and then from the Metropolitan, which would be the Eastern Conference – it was obviously Alexander Ovechkin from the, like I said, Washington Capitals. Hard not to be him. Uh, are you surprised by Matthews? A little bit, but good for him. Yeah, you know, I mean, you you figure, I mean, I'm, unless it's in Tampa, but you figure it would be a member of the Lightning. Yeah, you figure it'd be Stamkos like last year or. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe Eichel. Yeah, maybe Eichel. Eichel, though, would be in the same essence of the of probably why they picked the four captains they did, of going for young guys and then probably one of the most recognizable names in hockey. Right. Right. Uh, so anyway, going back and then, yeah, good point. And then going over to the Western Conference, the Central Division for the Western Conference, representing them. Surprise again, um, Nathan McKinnon, sort of surprise captain. Uh, I would have gone probably uh, the guy from Winnipeg there, Line A, but uh, or may, I don't know, maybe maybe one of the Predators, uh, and then Connor McDavid for the Pacific and Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Um, I think the only way they could have gotten this to be the most like social media buzzworthy captains is if you flip Subban in for McKinnon. I think it was. I agree. The other three are the are like. I mean, I guess like there's other members of the of the Maple Leafs who are much more social media savvy, like Mitch Marner or somebody like that. But like Matthews, American guy, one of the best players in the league. It seems like a slam dunk to throw him in. It's a surprising pick, just objectively. But in terms of trying to get an exhibition weekend like NHL All Star Weekend built up, almost like how the, probably they want to do what the NBA does and really build up this weekend. It seems like a pretty good idea. Well, the NHL All Star Game has been reinventing. The All Star Game for all the other sports. I mean, if you notice, oh, they yeah. were the, they were the first ones to do like the the fantasy draft, and the NFL yeah. followed suit, and then the NBA followed suit, and they've been they've been doing this for they've been the leaders for a while. Um, I think this is the tenth year with like 
or tenth year, ten year anniversary of the first fantasy draft. Yeah, so they're in they're in San Jose this year. Um, yeah. Now I think I think the captains were voted on by the fans, Jordy. But um, yes, so that's that's where the controversy came from a couple years ago with uh, John Scott, right? And then they had to change the rules for him and all that sort of so, stuff. So now are these four guys responsible for picking one player from every team? Or what's that? I'm not sure about I'm looking this up now. Um, what, are the, what are the rules the next? Uh, okay. The league's hockey operation department selects yeah. the re- remaining 40 players, 10 from each division, for the game. Yes. Yeah, six forwards, three defensemen, two goalies. And then for the first time this year, the, there is a – a last man in ballot, just like other is for baseball. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we the fans do get another vote. Nice. Nice. That's yeah. huge. Um, yeah, I nice. So if you're picking one player from the Flyers, not necessarily the most Drew. popular, but who's the best this year? Who deserves it? Drew. Drew yeah. is going to be the representative, and he should be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me and the Bruins, I think it's Pasternak. Yeah, I would agree with that. You uh, see his, think, uh, his Russian rights got acquired by CSK in Moscow today. Really? Yeah, in case that's there's a, a, a lockout. That's crazy. Oh, because the, yeah. they're, they're up for a CBA this – or a, a new – yeah, a new CBA this, this summer? No, the CBA expires in 2022, but they can oh. opt out of it in the summer of 2020. Oh. So just in case, they're, uh, they're making some moves. I love it. No, he uh, – so uh, the reason why Bergeron's been hurt all year um, and Pasternak's just been better than Marshan, uh, for being honest. I agree um, with that. While Bergeron was out for, for three weeks, uh, Krejci got to play with Pasternak, and Krejci ended up being the Eastern Conference Player of the Month because – or right up there in the conversation because of he had a point of game while Bergeron was out playing with Pasternak. So Krejci got to play with, with Pasternak, and Krejci had a, a bunch of assists and all that. So um, – you know, I, 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 for me, I think it's possible if we have one and only representative. Anything else in NHL, Jordy? Anything else you want to touch on before we uh, end the blue line uh, icing pod? No, I wanted to just to just ask you on a quick quick uh, surveillance of the two conferences and two divisions of who do you think it of do you think it's the centrals to lose? But looking at the Atlantic, the Atlantic is pretty stacked. Um, and Austin Matthews isn't even the top, isn't even the third. Granted, he was hurt for a bit, but he isn't even close to the highest player in terms of points for Toronto. You have Marner, you got Morgan Riley, who probably the other two players from their from their team. Uh, they have solid goalies they could pick out from. Obviously, Nikita Kucherov. So, uh, but that you know, the so, Central is pretty pretty loaded as well. So I think I think it is the Atlantic because all these teams. Like you said, with the exception of maybe Florida, have young studs that they can build around and are in the process, or are in the process of rebuilding. Like Ottawa, uh, you can even argue Montreal is is supposed to be rebuilding, but but Claude Julian, yeah, they're in the playoffs right now. Yeah, Claude Julian has them playing unbelievably that they're in the playoffs. So like, they're this division is set up for a while. Yeah. Um, now the Central, like you said. They have, the, the the thing that's scary about the Central is their big names are at the bottom, right? Like St. Louis, Chicago, you know, the historical names, I should say, are at the bottom. But um, and sort of those new teams like Winnipeg and Nashville at the top. But um, Well, think about it. Think about if, the, if this ops department – if Nathan McKinnon had his druthers, he'd have his whole line in of him, Ronson in, 
and Landis Cog, who, by the way, are all top ten in the in the Western Conference in points, with Ronson and McKinnon at 59 and 60 points, respectively, in 37 games played. And then you get Mark Shifley at 49. You get Blake Wheeler, his line mate, at 48 points. You get Kane at 44. Then you get you got a lot of Calgary players. I'm just you can't split it by division. You can only do it by conference. But then you get Grunland from Minnesota. You get Ryan O'Reilly, who's just a stud centerman. Um, trying to find some defensemen with points here, but you can Roman Yossi, PK Subban. You got a lot of dudes probably from Nashville. Dustin Bufflin. Wow, he's almost at a point again this year. Good for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's Atlantic Central if you had to try to uh, had to try to rank it, but. You don't even have to – you don't even know what the Nationals are going to be because they link the whole weekend together. So that's the, that's why I think the problem is with this format is that like – The tournament, it's not round robin? No, like the Avalanche, that whole line deserves to be up there because we were talking a month ago, they were leading the NHL in every single category. Yep. Uh, including plus minus. So and obviously it's changed a little bit now, but like – you know, I you know they're deserving um, at least to get like a recognition or a nod of some sort. Uh, you could argue the same thing with Line A and, and Wheeler and that whole line with with Winnipeg and um, Calgary. I mean, Calgary, their top two lines are disgusting. I mean, having unbelievable years and Drew, obviously, uh, not Drew, sorry, Goudreau, Johnny Hockey is the big name, but I mean. They have some. They have some talent too. So I don't know. It's interesting. That's the one thing that does annoy me, though, about the NHL All Star Game is because it's division locked in. That some teams. I guess it was the same number of players that got in when it was fantasy draft or East West, but it just seems so much more. I don't know. Locked in because of the fact that it's divisions. Like there's some teams that that only get one All Star. That it feels like maybe they have one or two because they're the only guys carrying the team. Um, like Taylor Hall, I don't even made the All Star game last year, and he ended up being the MVP. Well, I think, well, I think it was that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it is like the. I think the rule was put in place because so every team had to have one representative, which I'm yeah. not sure was the rule Did before. Like when it was when it was uh, North America versus the world, was it every team had to have somebody? I don't think so. Yeah. Like I think, I think that was only put in like when they went to this new, this new format. Like I don't even think in the fantasy draft they had to have one from every team. I think that's something new just for the division. Yeah, that's before the dark times for the Flyers. So I can't, I can't even name, I can name two players. I think that made the All Star team every year of the fantasy draft era. Yeah, Lindros and uh, no. <laughs> no, that's that's North America versus the world. Think about that, man. You had Lindros, Gretzky, Mario Lemieux. Yeah. All those dudes in fucking Team North America, the Halls, um, Jeremy Roenick, yeah. I guess fucking Yager and a bunch of fucking other European dudes. Salami. Oh, Salami. <laughs> oh, America. oh, man. His name is Salami. Anyway, Jordy, this has been a super long pod. I was joking with your joke. Yeah, this has been a great pod. A long pod. I hope people suck around. Let's give the people a bonus, something bonus. Um, Maybe we'll give him like a if, if anyone makes this point, send a text to Jordy 
with we the steal from another, we can steal or homage to another podcast. Greg, what is the hashtag for this episode? I want to say if people made it this far, I think they send you a text with hashtag salami spelled the way that you want it to be spelled. Hashtag and, salami. And we have another blog with hashtag salami. Not everybody has my number, Greg. We're not giving it out. Well, you'll ven- what I'm saying is you'll Venmo them X amount of dollars. I don't have the cash to Venmo anybody. All right. Anything. I you and I you and I will split the Venmo for X amount of dollars. Yeah, X amount of dollars for a, for a player to be named later. Tweet I, at BLG hashtag salami, and we will know that you got this far. I'm gonna be upset if if no one if no one tweets at you because we didn't put a monetary number on it. X number of dollars in the player to be named later. Hashtag salami at Thunder BLG. I'm willing to do ten dollars. I'm not. I'm not. That's too rich for my blood. I'm saying five between the two of us. Uh, still a little rich for my blood. All right, two and a half from you and seven and a half from me. We're no. We'll. we'll we don't, there doesn't need to be a monetary value. If you are still listening to this, Starbucks gift card. Hashtag. Salami hashtag Jordy is cheap. Um, tweet <laughs> something at us. Some hashtag. You one of those. You, when when Jordy gets merchandise, you will be the first to receive it. That I can fuck with. Well, let's start with at least you tweeting a hashtag at us, and by being a first hashtag person, you will get an item to be named later. Nice. Speaking of uh, speaking of apparel, I think we need to start. Getting some apparel for the Thunder Thunder Cup. We do need yes for the Thunder Cup. We need to. I want to come up with logos like how yeah. they do like for each year, but it's a different logo like how Survivor does it for every season, or like how the Challenge. If you watch that on MTV, they have a different logo for every season. Uh, we need to do that for Thunder Cups one and two retroactively, and then one for the the third Thunder Cup. I kind of uh, I kind of like just having like like the Ryder Cup is always the same logo. I kind of like just having one logo. So you're you're fine then using relating it back to the beginning of this, but the Super Bowl, how it now has one logo that it does, it just changes the Roman numeral versus the old where it had all these different logos. No, the NFL is different. I'm talking about golf. I'm talking about keeping the history of of the rich tradition of of how the Masters is always the same, and the Ryder Cup is just the the little the little cup, and you know. The Open changes every year though. But I'm talking about like a for like. For like a hat that someone can buy, like I want to buy a winter beanie with Thunder Cup logo on it. We need to get an official over under of holes that Joe Tona quits on ballot that everybody can vote. There we can get some monetary action in. Greg, House always wins there. <laughs> an inside joke for those on the outside: tweet at Jordy, and maybe he'll explain it to you via, via hashtag salami at Thunder BLG. <laughs> origins of that joke <laughs> hashtag more, more and more content coming your way if you tweet hashtag salami at thunder blg i'm in uh, and and potential uh when we get when jordy finally does the first merchandise yeah or, or what have you you're the first one on the list after yeah. me and yeah i have a i have a a 2018 wrap-up slash a uh, little little serious note from me that I that I have to write uh, before 2019 actually gets flipped to uh, similar to what I did last year, but a little more serious than that. Uh, Greg, I think uh, you know what I'm referring to, but 
Uh, yeah, 2018 was a it was an interesting year. We'll put it that way. But I think that's going to do it for this week, Greg. You got anything else? No, I mean, stay safe out there and go orange. Yeah. You know, uh, like Greg said, stay safe on New Year's Eve. Um, if you're getting into anything ridiculous, any outdoor hockey, anything like that, be sure to tweet it at us. If you want to use hashtag salami on that, too, we can do that. Uh, find us on Instagram, Thunder Blog Sports, just like the website is that. Same thing with Facebook. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for us in 2018. For my man, Greg Piatelli, I am the G Man. Have a great weekend and an even better New Year's Eve. And go, birds and bears. <laughs>